Can we trade bitterness for joy and peace? Would that guy have been able to tell the same story if he had lost his wife to the horror of 9-11? With that video in mind, today we want to look at the other side of a story that uh, for those of you who are church-raised, you are familiar with. It's the story of the prodigal son or the rebellious son. But instead of looking at the prodigal, that all of you know that side of the story so well, we want to look at the older brother and how he reacted when his wayward brother came home and is given this huge welcome by his father after squandering all that he'd been given by his father. I mean, he lost it all, lost half of the family inheritance because of his irresponsibility. This was just a little too much to take for this older brother. Um, he, he became angry and, and he let bitterness sink, sink its claws into him because of such an undeserved display of grace to a brother who would cause so much pain to the family. We love the story of the prodigal son because so many of us identify with the prodigal and we're just so thankful that Jesus told this story to tell us that we can all come back to him no matter what we've done or what kind of mess we've made. It's a story of outlandish, undeserved grace. For some, it's disturbing grace and how all of us need this grace. But then, there are those of us who were raised in the faith. We lived within the rules for the better part. We've been good kids, and sometimes grace, like you see in this story, just seems, well, too much, unfair and a root of bitterness springs up in us. When we see what for some of us is such disturbing grace, we go, hey, whoa, 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 whoa what about me? I've done well. I never did any of that junk. I never caused that kind of pain for my parents, and he gets the party. What's up with that? Bitterness can creep in in so many different ways for so many different reasons. Certainly, the loss of a loved one can create a root of bitterness. Sometimes when you're looked over for a promotion at work or you're slighted by a friend or you're debilitated by sickness, a, a root of bitterness sets in. Maybe you were in an accident that has done irreparable harm to some part of your body and you cry out, why God, why? Rather than letting God come alongside of you and love you as he does, you, you back away and you just let bitterness creep in. Yes, bitterness happens when we don't process this kind of stuff properly. It, it happens when we don't have maybe a, a group of fellow believers to talk it over with and pray with. It, it happens when we point our finger at God and tell him it's all unfair. And the writers of the Bible want us to know that if a root of bitterness begins to grow in our lives, it, it, it does us damage, sometimes a lot of damage. It, it damages me and it damages the people that I relate to. When it damages me, it damages my family. When it damages me, it, it damages the people I work with, the people I hang out with. The writer of the biblical letter to the Hebrews says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Back to our story. The main character in the story you know, we call him the prodigal son. He grabbed his inheritance before his father even died, thought he'd have a little fun with all that cash, but just ended up trashing his life. 
But in a moment of sanity, he made the decision to come home and make things right with his father. And his father, who was a picture of God, was so excited that his wayward son had come home that he threw one incredible party and welcomed that young guy back just as he is before he cleaned anything up, addictions and all. He was welcomed back home. And home is a picture of community, of church, of God's people, where the father is a picture of our father God. So this rebel came home. Home to God and home to God's family. It's a beautiful picture. We love it. And hey, maybe you're that rebel this morning. You need to know that whatever is in your past, whatever you've done, even before you're all cleaned up, God is standing there with his arms wide open, ready to welcome you home, to welcome you back to himself. But there's another character in this story. It's the older brother. This is the guy who's been doing everything right He's the good boy. He didn't get drunk. He didn't do drugs. He, he didn't waste his money. He, he lived a sexually pure life. He was a mama's boy, a daddy's boy. He was just a great kid. But something absolutely unfair happened, at least from his perspective. His jerk of a brother ripped his parents' hearts apart by taking off and living irresponsibly. That irresponsible jerk had the nerve to come back home and want to make things right. And then his father throws a party, not just a party, but a, a party to blow all other parties away. And the father welcomes this guy who's created so much pain home without demanding that he even change first. And the root of bitterness grows deep and fast. Here's the older brother. He's been at home doing his duty, doing it gladly, living responsibly. But it's the rebel brother who gets the party who gets all the attention, you know, who's lavished with all these gifts. The story is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 23 to 25 to 33. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he had returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the calf that we were fattening, and he has prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother, oh, he was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said to him, look, dear son, you and I are very close, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Now the reason that this older brother got bitter could be different than the reasons that some of us get bitter or it could be similar. But what is the same is the sense that I'm not being treated right. I don't deserve this. I deserve better than this. This isn't what I signed up for. My circumstances just suck, you know, stuff like that. Bitterness, whatever causes it, if it's not properly dealt with, can do damage. 
So I want to throw some observations about bitterness and the older brother and bring it home to where you and I live. So how should we approach bitterness? What is it that Jesus wants us to know by telling us this story about the bitter older brother? Let me suggest three things, and I've grabbed these three things from a, a teacher named John Ortberg. But number one, what Jesus is saying to us through this story is, let go of your resentment and anger. My guess here, though, is that the older brother had a bit of a heart problem even before his older brother came home. Um, I should say younger brother. But anyway, he's built up chronic resentment and, and anger against his brother. This is explosive anger, right? Well, maybe not so explosive. Maybe, I'm trying to imagine, he's explosive at this point, but I, I think it's building, right? You know, you take a look at home at how anger can sometimes build. It's not the kind of anger that is immediately visible, but it's there, it goes deep, it, it doesn't always show itself, but it's there, it's toxic, real toxic, and, and it paralyzes what might once have been a, a, a generous heart. So the older son resented uh, his brother for leaving in the first place and then resented him for repenting. He goes on and resents his father for taking this scoundrel back. And to top it off, he resents all the people for coming to the party. The resentment res presented itself as, as it always does, as a refusal to enter into joy. I mean, I want you to catch that thought, that bitterness causes us to refuse to enter into joy. There's a party going on. And the father and the servants and the whole village are there. And the person the father would most expect to be joyful is the one joyless person in the whole bunch. And the son refuses to go in. Now this is much more serious to Jesus' listeners than we realize today. As the eldest son, as the elder brother, he would have been semi-officially responsible to be joint host with the father at a public gathering like this. I mean, mingle with the guests, make sure everybody had enough food and drink and so on. He would be expected to do this, and, and then if he had, you know, any misgivings, any arguments with his father, he would be expected to bring those to his father later in private. But right now, at minimum, he would serve as a joint host. In, in the days of Jesus, I mean, coming to a banquet when you're called was a serious obligation. So when this brother refuses to go in, this is a highly dramatic action to Jesus' listeners. His bitterness is so deep, he deliberately, openly chooses to expose his father to public humiliation. Everybody would notice and talk about this. Jesus, listeners, um, they would just expect the father to be furious, and they had, you know, he had every right to be furious. He could simply order his son into the house. He didn't have to reason with the son. I mean, not in those days. But the father, who is a picture of our God the Father. The father goes out with humble love, even though he could come out with judgment. He, he comes out with humble love, just as he went to the first son. Jesus is kind of comparing here, I think. Just as he goes out to the first son with humble love, when we expect judgment and anger, he goes out to the second son with humble love, and he, he pleads, although he wouldn't have to. No one would expect him to. But the son will not go in. The truth is, friends, in a strange way, 
the older brother enjoys his resentment. He likes torturing himself, sitting out there on the front porch, listening to the music, not going inside. It kind of feeds his sense of self-righteousness, um, his sense that he's been wrong, that he's the victim. Hey, we live in a city where some people have lost homes to fire and floods. Now it's interest rates that are causing some people to lose their homes and, and go bankrupt. At the men's breakfast a week ago, stories from the 2016 wildfire got told. Again, there, there is some real pain there. Or you have a parent who, who did not live up to your needs, right? No parent does. Or a spouse who hurt you as every spouse will. Or a child who disappointed you as every child has. Or a wound from your work or, or, or from church people. The truth is, as you know in your heart, you're enjoying the resentment. It feeds your sense of righteous superiority or that sense that you are a victim. And let me tell you as plainly as I know how, it's destroying you and you gotta let it go. The Apostle Paul speaks to this with much octane. Listen up. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it or it will destroy you and others. And by the way, God doesn't call you to do anything that he is not willing to empower you to do. So seek God's empowerment and get rid of the bitterness. And part of getting rid of the bitterness is number two, let go of your chronic complaining. And we just don't come chronically complain to the people we do life with and those we work with. Heck, we post it on social media. And friends, some of us can get real ugly on social media. It's all the government's fault. It's all those left-wingers. It's all those right-wingers. And you see this chronic complaining in the older brother. The father comes out and he, he pleads with the son, but he won't come in. Look, all those years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could go celebrate and have a party with my friends. All these years I've been working like a slave for you. Now, as we keep reading here, there is a rich irony here in Jesus' story, and I've never disobeyed a single command. He really thinks that's true, that he's never obeyed, disobeyed a single command. He says this, even though he's just publicly humiliated his father by refusing to join the party. He says this, though he defies his father's deepest will, which is that he ought to love his brother, throw his arms around his brother, and be one with him. Friends, chronic resentment just distorts your understanding of reality. You, you see everything through the eyes of your bitterness. It, it's not you that's the problem. It's everyone else. It's those in authority, even God. Some of you are here today, right now, and you're sitting outside the house on the front step and you refuse to come in. You're bitter because someone else got the breaks that you thought should have come to you. You're bitter because you're not the guest of honor at the party, because your circumstances are unfair from where you sit. Uh, maybe it's because of the government or insurance companies or the people down the street, or, or, or it seems like the people you go to church with, they, they just don't care. The question today is, Will you learn to rejoice with those who rejoice? Will you learn the discipline of gratitude to be grateful for your life, your gifts, your work, your relationships, the church? 
the Bible God gives you, the salvation God has offered you, will you be grateful for your life? Because if you won't, you will never, ever be grateful at all. Will you learn to rejoice with people that rejoice? Will you come into the house, come, in, come home to the Father and join the party? And then with those in the party who do have it better than you, will you throw your arms around them, write them a note, congratulate them, rejoice with them? If you want the Father, our Father God, to touch and heal your hurt, you've got to let go of the resentment and anger and just give it to our Father I'm not saying it's not there, it's there. But will you let it go? Come back home, enjoy the party, and let our Father God absorb it. One more thing, number three. Let go of your spirit of judgmentalism. Uh, do you notice what phrase this older brother uses to refer to the prodigal son? This son of yours, not this brother of mine, no, no. This son of yours, and again, we understand that. I mean, parents do this thing all the time, right? A kid does something good. Well, that's my boy, right? A kid does something bad. Well, what's that son of yours done again, right? There is something inside of us that kind of appoints ourselves to be watchdogs over what is right and wrong. The elder brother's doing that. He assumes the worst. When we're angry, we project onto people. We, we definitely do that with our politicians, right? Come on. Notice what happened. Look again at what Luke writes. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, and this is a real interesting part of Jesus' story. Where in the first part of Jesus' story does, does he mention prostitutes? No, the story never did. You go back there and look. It says that the prodigal son squandered the money in what might be called wild living. There are various translations of this, but no mention of prostitutes there. Where did that come from? The elder brother just threw it in, right? When you're bitter, you become judgmental. And when you're judgmental, you start to assume things are true that you have no evidence for. You're just being judgmental. So if you drink too much, it just means you hang out with prostitutes. They just always go together, right? Now, let's be clear. The solution is not to pretend that you're not angry or bitter. We gotta admit our weaknesses, our feelings of hurt and disappointment. We're human. Hey, one of the best examples of what it means to be human and weak and, and then to work through your loss and pain and bitterness is is Job after he lived through natural disasters, the, the loss of most of his family, the, the loss of his health. I mean, uh, it was pretty rough. Listen to how Job deals with this. He says, let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. And then he goes on, I will say to God, hey, there is a time and a place to complain. And Job, rather than spewing his venom over people everywhere, rather than dumping it all over social media, he spews it on God. Hey, God can handle it. We can spew on God. He gets us. He's okay with it. Maybe if Job had a healthy small group, he might spew there, and together they take it to God. I mean, small groups can be really powerful, friends. 
and, and Job, he's aware of the alternative. He, he writes about this alternative. Another dies in bitterness of soul, having never enjoyed anything good. And Job doesn't want to die in bitterness. Job wants to experience life to the full even now. And, and that choice Job made made all the difference. The father does the same thing with his bitter son. He lets him vent. He listens. And then he invites him back into the house to have a drink, to eat the fattened calf, to dance, to enter into the joy of life to the full. But the son had to decide if he would choose life or bitterness. Bitterness that leads to death. It was his choice. One more thing about this story. We don't know if the bitter son accepted the father's invitation to come back into the house and join the party or not. The story just ends with the invitation being given. Why didn't Jesus finish the story? Couldn't he come up with a good ending? Jesus leaves the story unresolved because what's really happening is he's talking directly to you and directly to me. And the ending to your story and my story has yet to be written. Right now, Jesus is sitting on the front porch with each of us at the park. He's sitting there, right, just picture this. He's sitting there at the front porch with us as the party is ramping on in the house. And he's asking, come on, why don't you come back in? Come on back in. He's sitting on the front porch offering us healing and hope and life to the full with joy in the middle of the mess. Now. You must decide. Your story, my story, will end in one of two ways. We could just reject the invitation. I mean, hang on to our bitterness, play the victim, feel quite justified and smug about it all. You could choose that, but it's going to suck the life out of you now and forever. Or you could, go, you could let it go like this. Seeing the love of your father... You fall to your knees and you let your bitter heart be broken and made tender as your father fills your heart with himself and starts the healing process. And with the father, you, you, you walk back into the house and you join the party where you laugh louder and sing louder and dance faster and cry harder than anyone else in the house. It's your choice. And hey, as we look to the future, as we look for the next year or more, you know, as life goes on, chances are there's going to be something that could push your buttons and send you back out to the porch. I mean, life going forward is never just onward and upward. There's always ups and downs. There's always joys and heartbreak. There's always times we, we end up back at the porch. But each time we stomp out to the porch, our Father will lovingly invite us back to where we can experience strength that flows from Jesus, to where the healing is, to where real love is, to where the party and life to the full is. And right now, until Jesus returns, that house is his church. There is healing, love, life, and party in the church when the church is working right. Friends, there is nothing like the church when the church is working right because Jesus is here and it's, it's just energizing, life-giving, sometimes even fun. And the amazing thing about Jesus is when you, stomp out of the pre, uh, when you stomp out of the party for whatever reason, he quietly steps out with you, speaks words of peace and calm to you, and he invites you back in. But each time, it's your choice.
So how does the story end? Well, it's up to you. It is truly up to you. Would you bow with me for a little time of prayer? Lord, my prayer is simple this morning. I just pray that you'd extend your invitation to anyone standing out on the porch in a way that they not only just hear from you, but they experience your deep love and passion for them. For any struggling with issues of anger and bitterness, I, I pray that you'd empower them to give it all to you as they allow you to do a healing work in their lives. Help us to replace the bitterness with your joy and peace. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.